Broadcasting live on a dirty, rainy morning in Malta, it's the Hardcore Husky Podcast. It's brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com. And feel free to come over to our uh, website if you feel like talking not just about college football, even though not much is going on in college football these days, but also just the uh, events with uh, the coronavirus and uh, uh, or even uh, wine, cigars, uh, airplanes, uh, Uber rides, everything of that nature. Uh, feel free to uh, come on over, and we're having a big discussion basically 24 hours a day there. My name is Derek Johnson. Um, flying solo today is my uh, co-host, Baseman, and Mike Monin are uh, out on assignment, uh, but they'll be uh, joining me in a future episodes here. Uh, but I have two special guests today, and uh, they're both uh, regulars on the Hardcore Husky boards and friends of mine. Uh, first, it's the femme fatale and grand dame of Hardcore Husky, Duke DeJour. How are you, my dear? I'm well. Thank you for the <laughs> kind intro. I don't know if I'm a femme fatale, but I'll take it. Well, you bet. Uh, and then secondly, I'm looking at the Associated Press rankings here. Currently the 17th ranked Uber driver, Purple Base. How are you, buddy? Doing well, uh, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm ranked too high at 17. But uh, I'm just, uh, I'm in my little uh, sleeper cell bunker here and uh, hoping that I don't have the influenza. Well... And originally we were talking about uh, getting together and gathering around a, a microphone and, uh, you know, maybe at a, at a bar and grill or something. And uh, since we all live relatively close to each other, uh, and then it was right then that Governor Inslee's edict went down, uh, banning people from uh, traveling and, and gathering in groups and all this kind of thing. So we said, well, okay, we'll go ahead and still do this, but we'll do it via uh, freeconferencecalling.com. Uh, so uh, I, I guess um, – and Bayes, you already briefly touched on it there, but before we start talking um, about our uh, primary subject for today, uh, Bayes and uh, and uh, Duke Dejour, um, how are you guys faring with the, the coronavirus and what's what's going through your mind as you kind of view what's going on with society right now? We'll start with you, Bayes. Um, definitely uh, strange times. I mean, it's unprecedented. I've never seen anything like this before. And... Um, it's uh it it has touched everybody and uh we're all kind of you know i mean i'm personally uh not one to let things bother me too much i usually let things roll off my shoulders but it's also affecting except me except for chris peterson well yeah and and uh, Bacellia and uh anyway uh so, um and i'm an essential employee so i actually have to go to work the past 3 days and um you know, it's it's really everything is just strange out there. Just uh, being out and about, and uh, the city is sparsely populated. Um, anywhere I go, and uh, the work sparsely populated. Um, not trying to dox myself here. So, um, and um, so as far as a society, I don't know. I think um, the panic buying. I don't understand that. To, to a certain level, I did initially, but I think it was just now. It's just looking like uh, just going and buying up everything is uh, just silly. The, that's an understatement. And as far as like this whole uh, isolation thing and social distancing, I think I think most people are doing a good job. Uh, there were some irresponsible uh, people not too long ago going and hanging at beaches and stuff, and um, I truly do think that we just really need to be careful and and uh, for uh, for everybody's good until, you know, we really understand this virus and 
and uh, know uh, exactly what it is and what it's going to do. I don't, I don't think we truly, totally understand it. So there's my long-winded answer. I hope uh, kind of answered your question, but there it is. Yeah, before we get to Duke du jour, um I'll just say, like, uh, even this morning it was like, I don't know, um, I have vampire hours, but it was like 4.30 a.m. or something, and I... And I went out my front door, and I was uh, walking around uh, my my condo complex, and then um, and it was still dark out, and I see a, a a figure walking toward me, and I wasn't even thinking about it at first, and I didn't recognize who the person was or whatever, um, and we walked right past each other, and then I um, so in, in terms of shoulder to shoulder, we were probably like three feet apart or something, and then as we passed each other, I thought, you know, well, you know, if you were really to like be able to have some sort of um, infrared imaging or whatever they call it, where you can see the clouds of vapor or, or heat or something, you know, how much of my breath is extending out that he walk into and vice versa. And, um, you know, and how, how myopic do we want to get with all this? It's, it's uh, uh, the mind even goes there. And at the same time, as I'm on record of saying a hardcore Husky, it's like so much of this is like, overhyped and the media just pounding and pounding away the panic narrative. And there's no, there's no searching for reassurance or any any very little responsible journalism that I see out there. And regardless of your thoughts of President Trump, it's just constant hammering about how he's to blame for all of this. And, you know, people are going to die because of him. And it's just like, you want to point fingers, fine, but let's at least get through this storm together, so to speak. And then, uh, you know, and then we can start going back to our bickering and, and uh, all that kind of thing. But uh, uh, Duke what are what are your thoughts? Well, I'm very lucky that I get to work from home. Um, so that's been a bit of an adjustment. I feel almost like I don't have a right to complain because um, there are a lot of people out there who are losing their jobs because of this and yes. uh, or who at the very least are getting furloughed. But um, I... I gotta be honest with you. I, I don't really like it. I um, the novelty wore off after a couple of days, and it's hard to maintain a work-life balance when you can constantly check your emails all the time, and um, and it's challenging getting a good stream of communication with people that you were used to being in the office with and just popping over their cubicle, but. Um, no, I, I this the thing that I'm the most worried about is um, it's people who are were already vulnerable prior to this, so the elderly and um, the like. Um, I'm worried about my parents, but um, I talked to them last night and they seem to be okay. But um, no, I um, I'm also trying to keep things in perspective, and I. I do think that uh, we'll get through this okay and um, just hopefully uh, it will be sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I'm not – I know there's been some discussion on Hardcore Husky about um, whether or not there's going to be a football season, and my mind's really not kind of projecting that far out. So I know it's something that's relevant to all of us and it's something that's important to us and everything, but I'm kind of like, let's – let's get through April and see where society's at in the bigger picture and the, the health and the economy and stuff. And then I'll, I'll turn my thoughts towards whether or not we're going to have a football season 
you know, maybe in May or something like that. Um, and it, do you do you guys feel the same way, or do you feel different, or? Um, yeah, uh, I guess I'll jump in here. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I, I feel the same way. Yeah, it's it's uh, not looking promising right now, but uh, who knows what's going to happen in the next two months with uh, with this. Uh, spread of the disease and maybe if it's under control then they'll uh, uh, say that yeah there's going to be a football season but uh, uh, again that's the last thing on my mind personally um, and uh, but my attitude's different as you know because I just kind of got burned out from Husky football and, and sports in general in the past uh, year year and a half I think I just uh, went downhill so uh, I haven't been I haven't been thinking about it anyway, and now it's even less so because, um, you know, what's going on with the with the, with the current situation with the COVID, COVID, uh, COVID uh, nineteen, and uh, people losing their jobs, and uh, you know, my own job being in jeopardy personally. Um, uh, so I'm I'm trying to think about how I'm going to live my life in the next three to six months personally. If I'm going to sell my house, if you know, there's there are all these things that just totally just uh, overshadow uh, things like entertainment, like football. So um, anyway, uh, that was, again, I kind of went on a tangent, I think. But, uh, no, no, uh, I asked the question. So. It's, it's really not uh, right now. Football is definitely not important at all. So. And... Um, You know, even like the the thing that we said we were going to talk about going into today's show was in regards to um, since there, there's not much going on um, uh, in regards to Husky football and not, and we talked about, um, you know, well, it would be interesting to maybe find out what, you know, what initially drew us to Husky football when presumably we were kids or, you know, earlier in life or something like that. And... And to be honest with you, even as we're sitting here talking, it almost seems kind of like a petty thing to kind of put out there. And I know the idea was kind of let's get uh, let's get some friends together here and, and discuss these issues and maybe provide some sort of distraction or something. But even just like listening to you, Bays, a second ago, it's just kind of like, you know, um, obviously I'm thinking out loud here while we're recording. But, uh, and you know, do you guys even want to go down that path? Sure. Yeah, so? absolutely. So, oh, okay. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll we'll start with you. Uh, I, I keep saying Duke Dujour, but I need um, I don't want to obviously call you by your real first name. Uh, uh, but Duke Dujour is a little bit of a mouthful. So what do I uh, uh, what do I call you, Mister Nov, or what? Do I, <laughs> what <laughs> that do you works. A, you could uh, okay. in honor of pup, you could call me Soup. <laughs> uh, a good old puppy maybe we'll talk about him before we close out the show but um but yeah so if you want to just take the floor for uh, a couple minutes here and just describe um you know what brought you to, to husky football how old were you how old you were and uh, what what games were going on at that time and that type of thing yeah um so I grew up in a family that was really into football. Um, so my earliest memories of the sport were watching, I think it was like the 84 Seahawks um, uh, when they were going on their playoff run. I think it was against uh, 
the Miami Dolphins. If I'm well, remembering yeah. correctly. Yeah, 83, yeah. Um, then they won, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, it, I, I, I've, I've followed the game for a really long time. Now, how I got um, to become a Husky fan was through my father. He, um, interestingly enough, though, he grew up in Wisconsin, and hmm. uh, he remembered as a kid watching UW play Wisconsin at the Rose Bowl. And after that, uh, the University of Wisconsin, their football program kind of tanked for a couple decades, and uh, the Husky program, conversely, was on the rise. And he had some relatives that lived out in Seattle, and they would send him UW stuff. And he kind of pulled a Derek, and he decided, oh, I'm going to adopt the Huskies as my team. So when he was little, he had, yeah, UW pennant hanging up in his room and the like. And um, then he uh, moved out to the West Coast. I think he followed my mother. And uh, uh, ended up going to law school here in the state. And um, in eastern Washington, that's obviously cougar country, so he got a lot of shit for that. But he was like, no, no, the Huskies are my team. And, uh, and what city is like this, 80, by the way? Spokane, yeah. He he went to Gonzaga. Oh, um, oh, oh okay. For, grad, for graduate school. And he... Um, when he ended up getting his first job, a bunch of people in my hometown uh, had, that were Husky fans as well decided to, you know, get a bunch of seats together, and uh, they ended up going to games. And one of the couples, I think, I don't remember what game it was, but uh, they ended up not going, and my father was like, oh, I'll, I'll take my daughter along. And... Um, and I just was awestruck by the campus and loved the game day experience, and I was hooked from that day forward. So, do you remember which game it was, by the way? I don't. Um, I think it was. Let's see here. <laughs> it was probably one of the shitty like non-conference games. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so I don't was, know who was we that were in playing. So would that have been in oh, 83 or 84? I think it was 85, actually. 85, okay. So, yeah. Um, but no, I, I've, you know, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as disenchanted as Bayes yet, but um, one yes. thing I will say, um, <laughs> um, it, one thing that I've always appreciated about um, being a, a football fan and being a part of, the UW community is, there were some times in my life that, um, you know, I just, that was one of the thing, few things that uh, brought me joy during some rough times. And I think that's something that we don't want to lose is um, sports are a wonderful, you know, way to forget about your problems and to build community and the like. So um, there's, still a place for that, I think, and um, yeah, I, I I hope we can hold on to that after all of this settles, but um, we'll see. I, um, I'm also really just um, curious how the game will change because 
like even the recruiting cycle is getting messed up by this. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects the season if we do in fact have one. Well, and, and one thing I'll say before we shift over to Bayes um, is that just generally speaking, I mean, you know, um, you know, the American government and America itself has been getting kind of beat up in the media and everything. But um, one thing I have faith in is uh, is our uh, technology and our ability that when when the when the shit's hitting the fan, that we can really uh, uh, buckle down and get something done. And 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 that's not to say also that maybe somewhere else in the rest of the world, someone might come up with a vaccine or something like that. Um, but I feel like, um, uh, you know, I, I, I have, I have some faith that uh, some good things can come out of this. We can have some, um, increased preparedness for similar situations in the future based on the fact that we got kind of caught off guard with, with what's going on with the virus and how it's impacted society and, and impacted our medical facilities and stuff. And, and I just know we've got some top notch, uh, uh, scientists and, and brains and, biochemists and all that out there working basically around the clock now uh, rushing to try to find something that can help uh, cure this situation. Uh, and, you know, um, uh, there's no guarantees about anything, of course, in life, but uh, I just uh, I'd like to think that uh, there can be maybe a return to normalcy within a, a year or two, but we'll see. So, um, but Bayes, in regards to uh, your um, upbringing and your uh, uh, exposure to Husky football, if you'd like to tell your story. Sure, yeah. Um, I moved here um, when I was 12 years old, uh, back in 1983, you know, obviously from another country, uh, coming from a soccer-crazy country. And uh, it's interesting, I really never warmed up to soccer. Uh, it was just weird. All my friends back, back home loved it, and I just never resonated with me. So moved here in 83, start eighth grade, and um, uh kind of uh, what uh, DDJ talked about earlier, the, the Seahawks were doing pretty well, but so were the Huskies. And uh, I just remember Saturday afternoons, there was just this buzz, you know, um, our house was on Lake Forest Park. Uh, I mean, fairly close to the campus, you know, where people start commuting to the games, uh, you know, on Saturdays. And, you know, there were a bunch of airplanes doing sky riding, you know, saying, you know, riding go Huskies in the sky and all that. So it was really just very kind of festive, you know, like those Husky Saturdays were just uh, people around this area really looked forward to it. And then I started school and uh, pretty much all my classmates were just hooked. They were just, they would just talk Huskies all the time, maybe a little bit of Seahawks, but that's what got me hooked. I started watching games and I started really enjoying American football. It just, it just really clicked with me. And, um, the, the 80s were a great time to be watching the, the Huskies. And then, of course, my first year at the UW was 1990. Uh, talk about just being at the right place at the right time when we, you know, we, question mark, started making those runs, uh, <laughs> the three Rose Bowls in a row. I went to all those games, and uh, mm. it was, uh, yeah, that was, that was uh, kind of, uh, I was hooked for life, obviously, but after the early 90s, I mean, it was just, it, it just got so ingrained in me, but right now Gladstone's throwing something across. I said, right now Gladstone is listening to this and throwing something across the room. Okay. His, his his years were there. He, he went to UW during the Willingham years. He's talked about that a lot. So, 
Yeah, and then, uh, of course, I'm going to give a shout-out to our uh, uh, friend, the Yellowstone, uh, good old rowboat. He he went to school during the uh, Lambright years, so he has some frustration. <laughs> but it was glorious. I mean, the early 90s, being on campus, being a student, it was just unbelievable. And um, so, yeah, so uh, the past uh, uh, basically 30 years, with the exception of, like, uh, that you know the 2000 season going to the rose bowl and winning the 2001 rose bowl game and i was also there thank you very much mm. um uh it was it was fun and uh but yeah it's it's just been uh since then and i'm i'm just probably being really negative but to me it's been mediocre i mean at best and, and yeah the 2016 was a good season uh overall but just getting blasted by, you know, Alabama and then getting blasted by Penn State the next year, it gets gets kind of old. And um, when, per, you know, this is my perception, and I'm sure those experts on the board like uh, Road Dog will uh, correct me <laughs> or somebody else <laughs> like DNC, but it, there was just no market, like, paradigm shift with uh, Peterson, and that's what killed me. Uh, it's like there was just no aha moment where he went, you know, my system kind of sucks and uh, I'm going to change it. But anyway, I digress. Um, so I'm kind of uh, right now burned out and who knows, I'm not going to rule anything out. Maybe I'll uh, be back in the fold someday, but uh, uh, that's basically how I got hooked on Husky football. But like was this past year there was a, what that late September game where the Huskies are playing at BYU and you thought it would be a lovely day to take your Ducati out on the road and then uh, yeah and then I was giving you the fake uh, fake score updates via text <laughs> yeah yeah thanks a lot <laughs> that was that was that was really a dick move but it was funny I, I actually laughed. <laughs> uh. Yeah, uh, I, I second half of the game, I hopped on my bike and I went uh, riding with a buddy. So I'm like, screw it, uh, they're gonna pr probably blow this game. That was, that's how pessimistic I got. You know, I'm like, they're gonna blow this game. I'm just gonna hop on my bike and just go go have a nice ride. You know, and anyway, but and then you mess with me. That was that was good. <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, I'll say this too before I launch into my own little story. Um, even though some people out there already know it, but some people don't. Um, the one thing you were talking about, Bayes, in regards to the early '90s, is that um, younger people now—not uh, that we're old and ancient or anything—but um, younger people, I think, have. I think it's impossible for them to realize that this was really a Husky town first before it was a Seahawk town in the in the '80s and the '90s, and you would see just as many or more Husky jackets and Husky sweatshirts and Husky hats if you're walking around downtown Seattle as you would Seahawks stuff. And, of course, these days it's probably 20 to 1 in terms of a ratio. Um, but back then it was a really an anomaly. If you look across the uh, the country, like you would see, okay, you know, the um, uh, Minnesota Gophers share – uh, the same sports market with the, um, you know, the Minnesota Vikings and the Vikings rule supreme there and the Gophers are a second rate situation. Um, but, but in Seattle at that time, um, you know, the Huskies were, were just as much popular as the Seahawks or, or greater than, and it was um, really something to see. But as, as we moved into the new millennium and, uh, you know, and the whole uh, Gilbertson's 
Gilbertson era and the Willingham era and Todd Turner trying to change the culture and successfully changing the culture at the athletic department and stuff. And it was just, it was a sad, sad decay and downfall. But um, anyways, um, so that's where that was at. And then there was something that um, Duke DeJure was saying that I wanted to speak to as well. Um, you, you were saying, um, you were saying, Duke DeJure, that um, you were talking about that Miami game in 1983, and I remember specifically that I was watching that with my uh, uncle out at the uh, the old family farm out at Squim, and it was a New Year's Eve uh, game that was being played down at the Orange Bowl. Um, and do you, do you remember the specifics of that, by the way? Not really. Oh, the, the Steve Largent catch in the end zone there and Kurt Warner coming around the end. Oh, and that Dave one Craig. I do remember. Yes, yes. That's what I thought uh, you were referring to. Yeah. No, no. And uh, we had, like, uh, you know, back when they had VHS tapes, They, uh, my parents <laughs> bought it. Like, <laughs> they uh, made a compilation of, like, the greatest Seahawk plays from that season. And my brother and I would watch that over and over again. That was a fun year. Yeah, my dad Chuck bought a VCR. Knox. Yep, Chuck Knox, Grand Chuck. My dad bought a VCR um, strictly to record the Orange Bowl from uh, the January 1st, 1985. Um, so that was when we had our first uh, uh, VCR in the home. But anyways, uh, just to take a couple minutes and talk about my story, even though some people out there know it. But um, if you go back to the 1975 Apple Cup, uh, so at that time, I was four years old. Um, I was not at that game, but my mom, who absolutely hated sports, um, and I still don't understand why she accompanied my dad there for the few, first few years of their ultimately doomed marriage. Um, but uh, <laughs> they went to Husky Stadium, and that was the game where the Huskies, it was absolutely pouring rain, monsoon conditions. And the Huskies were down 27 to 14 with just like about three minutes to go. And uh, there was the Al Burleson interception. Uh, well, actually, I need to uh, tell the story correctly here. With about six six to seven minutes to go, it's pouring down rain. Things aren't looking very, you know, things are bleak. It's not looking very good. My mom's complaining. And so my dad uh, reluctantly gets up and they leave Husky Stadium. And as they're halfway to the car, I think he said that the story was that they were walking across the Montlake Bridge there. Uh, they hear a giant roar. And, and then just as they were reaching the car, they heard a second giant roar. And uh, what had happened, of course, was the Al Burleson interception, um, and, uh, which made it a 27-21 game. And then, um, uh, and then the Huskies got the three and out, and the Cougars punted, and, and Washington took over with Warren Moon with like about a minute and a half to go. And he threw a bomb that bounced off the hands of a Cougar defender right into the uh, arms of a Spider Gaines who raced 78 yards for the touchdown. And the Huskies ended up winning 28 to 27. And then uh, so when my dad got to the car and heard that on the radio, he was just absolutely crushed that he had walked away from that and missed it all. And then my mom just said, you know, fine. From now on, you start taking Derek to the games like this. And so that's what started my, my whole deal as I was already big into football. Uh, and so the following September, uh, I can even remember it was uh, a partly cloudy day and Virginia came to town and the Huskies won 38-17 uh, to 17 and I was like completely obsessed with the media guide and the stats even while the game was going on. And 
um, uh, absolutely hooked from that point forward. I once, um, I can't remember if it was a conversation I had with Hugh Millen or if it was something he said on the air, but I remember him saying about 10 or 12 years ago that it's when, a, when uh, usually if a kid gets to about age 10 or 12, that's really an impressionable time. And if you get that perfect storm of reaching that point in life and and the team doing very, very well that you're following, that something really sparks and it creates like a lifelong passion. And that was right about the time where the Huskies had their back-to-back Rose Bowls and they had the huge, uh, you know, the huge win and the wind and the rain over USC and, and beat the Cougs and, and beat Iowa in the Rose Bowl and um, and were ranked number one for six or seven weeks in a row in 1982. And really, you know, that was really a, a great, great time. And like your like yourself, Dujour, I had a real uh, some difficult challenges on the home front when I was growing up. Uh, but Husky football was something that r- brought me a tremendous amount of joy um, and brought me a lot of uh, uh, camaraderie with my dad. And um, and so that was something that was very meaningful to me. And then you know you fast forward and. Uh, just like with you, Bays, I attended all three of those Rose Bowls that you're talking about, and I attended the one where Marcus Tuiasosopo led the Huskies over Purdue. Um, and then, you know, next thing you know, I'm writing books, and the next thing you know, I'm writing a book about Willingham. <laughs> yeah. And uh, next thing you know, I'm having the falling out with uh, Kay Grizzle over there at, at Dogman, and the next thing you know, I'm starting Hardcore Husky, and uh, here we are. So, So there's my story. Cool. Eric, how come you didn't come to the most recent Rose Bowl? You know, I just – it's somewhat in regards to, like, what Bays was talking about with his outlook. It's coming back to Husky football has been a bit of a process. You even made a – you alluded to it without stating it earlier in, in part of the show about um, making the switch. Your dad made the switch from Wisconsin to uh, to UW, and you were, of course, referring to me and my <laughs> – my two-month dalliance with the Tennessee Volunteers, or whatever, uh, when uh, when Larry and I were uh, Larry used to hang out on the boards all the time, but he doesn't anymore. But he and I were both disgruntled with Husky football, and we were trying to find some other team to adopt and maybe go see one game a year or something. And um, so, two things: du, du jour, um one, I knew they had no chance of winning that Rose Bowl, and two. Um, my heart just wasn't fully in it, and I, so I just didn't see the point in, in going down there and everything if my heart wasn't in it, if it wasn't something that I was just salivating to go see. I know one thing when I was talking after the fact with, like, DDY, he was telling me about how it was such a tremendous um, tailgate party from, you know, all the uh, season is over guys and then, of course, all the hardcore Husky people. And and he was like, dude, you really missed something special there. And I was like, okay, well, there's one part that I, you know, I wish I had been down there for that. But to this day, to this moment, I don't regret not seeing the game. I knew we had no chance. Um, the way that the game played out was pretty much how I thought it was going to. Um, the Huskies maybe rallied in the second half a bit more than I thought they would, but I knew that uh, I knew we wouldn't play it smart, and uh, we were getting those yards early with Gaskin, and we went away from that, and we were throwing the ball with Browning. And um, Anyway, so there's there's my answer to that. Fair enough. So, um, and we'll we'll start to conclude the show here. But um, 
I guess I guess going forward, um, since we've talked about the past, um, did you guys? I was very vocal on the boards and in a previous episode of this podcast about my disdain for the whole way that Jimmy Lake's been going about doing things, capped off by the hiring of John Donovan, uh, and I just found that to be really kind of a crushing deal. Do you guys? Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what what was your your take on that? and the way things are going and looking towards next year, the coronavirus notwithstanding. <laughs> I think Dave should go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, underwhelmed. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, it's, it's like, I, I think I made a post about how Donovan – his, you know, he was someone who's who was one pay grade above Waterboy, and it's like I don't know who he is, and I don't know where he came from, and I don't know. I mean, his credentials aren't all that impressive, and he's going to be better than uh, Hamden. I don't know. Uh, just uh, that's it, man. <laughs> uh, I can't add any more to that. It's just it's it's just blah. I felt like if the if if I if we had heard that the Cougars had hired Donovan, he'd go, "Wow, they really uh, that's underwhelming." Even for them, that would be underwhelming. Yeah. And so I don't, you know. Anyways. Yeah. Mr. Jour, Mr. Nov. Um, I'm definitely in let it play out mode with uh, Lake. I think, uh, given his uh, really good job of. Uh, handling our defense, I think he deserves um, the benefit of the doubt. But um, yeah, I, I like Bayes. I'm I'm underwhelmed. Uh, I was hoping for a you know quote unquote sexier hire at uh, offensive coordinator, but um, <laughs> like, least, like Cumberbatch, um, a hire that made sense. Like that didn't even make sense. I was <laughs> just scratching my head. I was like, did that really happen? But um, uh, maybe he knows something we don't. I don't know. Question mark, question mark. But, um, yeah, no, I – it's – I mean, lest we forget, you know, two of our coordinators were promoted, Lambright and Gilbertson, to the head coach role, and they uh, – didn't exactly perform as we would have liked. So it's hard to kind of not have that little nagging voice in the back of your head when you think about Lake. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's um, it's not like uh, Peterson left the cupboard bare for him. We still have some good people. But um, I just, yeah, there's just too many unknowns going into next season. Uh, Never mind the head coaching change again with this coronavirus, whether we'll even have a season. Our quarterback situation's in flux. I mean, I, I do not feel confident about uh, who we have coming up. I think everybody on the board, at least it seems like to me, the general consensus is, oh, we're just kind of waiting for Heward. Um, but, yeah. So let it play out. Let it play out. Well, I – I did love that uh, post. I don't remember who made the post, but uh, that post from the other day on Hardcore Husky where somebody said that the one bright side, if they cancel the 2020 season, is that there's there's no waiting period then for Heward to come in and be the starter. <laughs> so, 
so uh, I mean, if that you know, kid really going to be a slam dunk, like is he really that good? I don't follow recruiting as closely as some of you guys. Like, well, e- either do I. But all I know is that you know, Woodenville led. Uh, I know people are out there rolling their eyes. Oh, Woodenville, but you know, Woodenville led thirty-eight to seven at halftime of the one game that I saw, and and he did throw a pick six that was returned ninety-three yards for a touchdown. Um, uh, Heward did. Um, in Kennedy Catholic's playoff loss to to Woodenville, um, and he, uh, you know, he was completely contained and even rattled in that first half. And then they, you know, Woodenville had such a huge lead that they were playing a little bit softer on defense in the second half. I will say that there were um, three or four balls that that Heward threw in that game where it was like, oh wow, what a gorgeous throw! Just a beautiful tight spiral fitted through a tight window. Um, uh, but I didn't. You know, it's like I was saying before, I was even a bit underwhelmed looking at Smalls and everything, but, but like physically Smalls, it's like you look at him and go, wow, that guy passes the eye test, that's for sure. And with Heward, he, he, you know, he um, he looks, uh, I mean, granted he's a junior in high school, so what do you expect him to be? But it's like, you know, he just looks kind of average, you know, um, throws a beautiful ball and and we'll see. I don't know. Um, we've been down this path before where we anoint somebody as a savior and it just doesn't really work out. So I know there's a lot of hatred for Brock Heward on the boards. And I, I've always, and as I've said before, I think part of it stems from the fact that he, he's not shy in spouting his, or spouting is the wrong word, but uh, citing his Christian beliefs and whatnot. And I think he gets kind of a bad rap for that because I think that's where a lot of the vitriol comes from. Um, but that notwithstanding, there was once upon a time where he was supposed to be the savior quarterback for the Huskies and it was kind of an, an, an underwhelming situation there because I don't think that he ever lived up to that hype. But um, but I you know I I always liked Brock. I've always did, I've always loathed Damon. I think everybody knows that. But uh, Brock I always liked. Um, so anyways, there's my long-winded thought in regards to uh, to a Heward. So Sam Heward, um, and um, I think a good way to conclude the show too was that. Um, you were uh, talking earlier, uh, just a couple minutes ago, Doug uh, Dujour, about how um, we had two different assistants that were promoted to head coaches, Gilbertson and then, of course, Lambright. And you said it didn't really turn out very well for either one of them. Um, but if we want to conclude the show talking about uh, Puppy Love Sugar Steel, he always claimed that that 2000 Rose Bowl was Lambright's. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, so if you guys want to have any just your... <laughs> You're, you're kind of uh, as as puppy has apparently left the hardcore husky community for good. Uh, some people would say good riddance, and other people like myself or were sad to see him go. Uh, what are your guys' uh, uh, parting thoughts in regards to the to to Pumpy? And we'll start with you, Mister Nov. <laughs> I Puppy was always very entertaining to me. I um, yeah, definitely the quality of his post tapered off at the end, but um, yeah, it still cracks me up to this day that he thought uh, that I was a gay man. So. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, yeah. Puffy, if you're listening, you know, you'll always have a special place in my heart. <laughs> XOXO, Coop. BFF. LOL. BFS. <laughs> and Baze, you had a, a very, uh, you know, uh, close, warm relationship with Puppy, and I'm sure that uh, your comments here will reflect that. 
Yeah, uh, I, I do miss Vintage Puppy. Um, you know, <laughs> I do. Uh, the, some of his early work was just fantastic. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. But the... The, in the in the recent years, he just turned into just calling everybody names, and really didn't um, he really didn't adapt to the board. I guess maybe that was part of his charm, but at some point you kind of have to kind of adapt. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, look at me, I'm just some Uber driving terrorist, and uh, I'm okay with it, and uh, <laughs> I, I laugh at it. And you got you got to be able to laugh at yourself here. Uh, you know, my my wife trash can has been made fun of my vent has been made fun of here in my kitchen and i'm you know it, it is what it is i mean and my countertops too you bastards um so anyway but i digress so uh yeah he just didn't adapt and then uh then he started i don't know for whatever reason he started going after a rowboat and i think that uh, that did him in i don't know uh, I do miss the old puppy. He was very creative. Uh, he was kind of a wordsmith with some some of his insults, and uh, uh, I liked the the verbiage that he used back then. But uh, oh well, if if he comes back, I hope he comes back uh, like the old pup. And um, you know, I I would I would welcome him. I'm uh, if he comes back, I won't mess with him as much as I I did. It was just kind of fun to pick on him a little bit because you know I'm just some loser and I'm bored and. You know, I need some entertainment, damn it. <laughs> that could be a new uh, message board logo for us, or slogan for us. Um, right. So, I'm a loser well, hey, and uh, bored, damn it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, great talking with you guys. Uh, um, if you guys are up for it, uh, you know, when this coronavirus situation clears uh, and things hopefully get back to a little bit to normal and job stability and that kind of thing and a bit more peace of mind, uh, we'll follow up with our original plan of getting together at a bar and grill in a quiet corner somewhere with the microphone and and uh, and uh, do a repeat of this if you like. Absolutely. <laughs> do people want a repeat of this? I mean, you probably, <laughs> like, drove away all three of your listeners. Well, you know. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep an eye on Google Analytics and I'll throw a tantrum if I see the numbers go down, so... Um, We'll, we'll leave it at that. So, well, hey, great, great talking with you guys, and you guys take care, and uh, we'll talk real soon. All right. All right. Thanks, Derek. Bye, Derek. Hey, bye-bye.